Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode. My name is Hans. I'm Adrud. And we are your hosts for now and forevermore. For those of you who tuned in to last week's episode, Giddle 88, you would know that we spoke a lot about gamification and where it's going and what we think about the term and how it could be influencing the future. Now, with that in mind, we actually have a very cool guest who is joining us today, a Mr. David Carpenter, who is the CEO of Gameiotics, and he's going to talk to us a little bit more about what he thinks gamification is about and what is what he thinks is in store for the future of this really incredible topic. David? Hi, thank you. It's so, so nice to be here. Thank you for having me on today. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for joining us. <laughs> it's always good to have someone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I mean, this is something, this is an area that I'm literally building a software company around right now. So I'm excited to come in and talk to you guys, um, uh, cause it's been such an interesting journey and I, I listened to last week's podcast and, um, and hearing, you know, uh, perspectives outside of my, you know, my current perspective, because I'm, I work in entertainment, hearing how it's starting to find its way into the world in a lot of, in a lot of really interesting ways. Is just kind of reinforcing this this direction that we're going to as people and consumers. So thanks for having me on. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, no worries. Now, thank you for joining us. With that in mind, um, tell us a little bit more about gameotics. So before we 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 get into um, what we what we think about all of these things, tell us a bit more about your company and uh, you know sure. where it began, where the idea for it you know came from, and uh, you know what you're doing with it exactly. So I uh, work in live entertainment. I'm, I'm uh, based uh, just outside of New York, but my office is in is in New York. And I've I've spent most of my career um, uh, working in uh, Broadway and off Broadway as in a variety of ways. I mean, as a as as in sales and marketing, um, uh, in production, and then uh, for the last uh, almost decade now as a as a producer uh, in New York theater. And I was. Um, Oh, you know, I, I've done musicals, I've done plays, I've done a whole bunch of things. And uh, about uh, six years ago, um, I was actually trying to figure out this really specific problem for the live stage, which is like, I'm a video gamer, a big video gamer, big board gamer. <laughs> we can talk, we, we, which we should talk to you about that for a minute. But like, I love games. Right? Always, always brilliant. have been. <laughs> uh, um, uh, and it's, it was always just something like, like that I did like in my social life, in my downtime, right? Like working in, in theatrical production, New York, working on Broadway is kind of high stress, right? And so like, you know, coming home and like, and like just diving into a video game, um, you know, something I've been doing since I was, you know, seven years old, right? And so, and yeah. so I, I came across this show, right? About six years ago, which I, which I won't name, so I don't work on it anymore. <laughs> that was the first time I'd ever seen a, anyone successfully successfully execute this sense of of gaming a live story right for the stage right and mm. what the show was is that it was this um it was this rom-com dating show right and it was about a guy going on a date with the girl and and the audience got to make all of these choices throughout the course of the evening that impacted what would happen so not only was there a a branching narrative like that was there, right? But then there was also this point system, this game mechanic, right? That was inside the game. So, like for instance, right? Like uh, and like from a branching standpoint, 
the 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 guy the guy he was led by this genie i mean that concept was so weird right <laughs> it was led by this genie right because the genie was going to help him you know find love right that was going to happen okay. so yeah. guy um and, and 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 then the other conceit on top of that was that the, that the genie was helped by his 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 chorus of angels or whatever it was called right which was the audience right so that's how they that's cool in concept yeah um so um so the guy so this one point so they, they actually the audience gets to choose which girl he goes on a date with right so there were kind of three choices now oh. in retrospect like many years later it's like well god that's a terrible idea right you can't have this guy choosing <laughs> like okay forget it right but it was interesting it was, but then like from that point forward the choices that the guy made on the date is like does he say this line does he do this thing do they do you know all these things were mm. then like a point system that led to a different branch right mm. so at the end of the show um if the audience had voted really positive right for the guy all the way through they made every single right choice he sleeps with the girl at the end right <laughs> and if they made every wrong choice for him he throws himself off a bridge, right? And oh. then there's like 10 other things in between. And so it had like 10 <laughs> different endings, right? Okay. I know, right? It's a, and so, you know, I I did a presentation of it in New York. Um, we actually did it at Joe's Pub. Um, oh, God, this must be back in maybe 17, 16, 17, <laughs> a while ago. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it was a while ago, right? But also like the two years of COVID, it's just entirely scrambled my sense of time, right? Oh, so don't it's worry. Like, yeah. Same with all of us. <laughs> so the audience... They had invited a lot of industry, a lot of better friends. And everyone's just like, I love this idea. Like, I, lo I love this idea. I love this idea of having agency within the experience that we're having, right? Mm. Um, they didn't like the show very much, right? They're like, well, you got some, <laughs> you got some problems with that show. Right? But they love the, the concept. And I was like, and mm. I, you know, obviously I did too. So it was this thing of being like something that I knew I really liked, right? Mm. I saw other people like right so like like you're, you're a producer in entertainment it's like you can like the weirdest strangest stuff but like kind of doesn't matter sometimes if nobody else likes what you yeah. like right like sometimes yeah, yeah, you're yeah. or or it takes yeah. long for you to come, right? yeah, yeah. Sometimes, sometimes, right? sometimes sometimes well like commercial entertainment like again i mean i have a commercial <laughs> so, so but the but there was one really big problem right so the way that the voting mechanism it was all polling right the way the voting mechanism worked was that it was just off the shelf educational polling software, right? Anything that a teacher could put into a classroom, right? And then the audience was handed um, remotes, four, like four button push remotes, ABCD remotes, the radio frequency, right? That they were handed yeah. when they walked in the theater. And like, that isn't a, a, a scalable concept, right? Like there's, there's too much that can go wrong. And then the software yeah. itself yeah. only lent itself to, to poll it, right? So like, so what I saw, what I what were originally worked on was this concept of, of and what I realized is what, what I was really after was this concept of agency in, in a live experience. Like that collectively mm. the audience is making a decision about how this thing is going. So, so right? more of uh, yeah. interaction versus just a simple yeah. voting system. You actually really wanted the audiences to have an, a direct impact on what's going on. So, so instead of like a game show, an actual like legitimate difference in what actually happened there were stakes right and there were there were and there were decisions that the audience right and so because the way that it worked was you know like in a polling situation it's most votes win right yes and correct. so what was interesting correct. is seeing half the audience wanting this and half the audience wanting something else right 
and the, and seeing how this thing started moving through. And and, and like and, and those days, and you know, it's a still a journey they're going. It's a fascinating psychological experiment, right? Along inside the entertainment about the hows and the whys. But I, I can come back to that later. There's a lot more on that later, right? <laughs> yeah. So there's a lot more on that later, right? So so um, what what I started working on, I started working on the show, and I, and I immediately was like, look, the, 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 the single biggest problem, right? Like, you know, as an entertainment producer that I'm fighting right now is that the software isn't, like, you, you're at the end of what this software can do. Like, it's been designed it's, to do anything. It's limited. Yeah. Right? Also, you cannot hand something to an audience when they walk in a door, right? Like, mm -hmm. you, that, 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 in order to enjoy the experience. Like, part of the thing about live entertainment is that, it, especially, in, and when I say live entertainment, I mean in-person entertainment, right? Is yeah. that um, it is enough to get them to buy a ticket, right? The <laughs> amount of money and effort and everything that you do is simply to get them to buy a ticket, right? Because once yeah. they have done that value exchange, they'll get to the venue, right? Like yeah, yeah. you don't right, you're like right, but just to get them to give you their money to buy a ticket is like it's really really hard. So it's like when you're mm -hmm. adding on pain points on top of that, and I've seen this many 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 times. You are creating problems rather than solving, right? So yeah. I, I said, look, this, this, and I said, this can't work this way. We've got to find a better solution. And of course, like this is back in 2016. And so I was like, well, well, then we need to create an app. And I was like, do we, first off, apps are expensive, right? <laughs> right. But like, do we really need to create an app? I think that is actually introducing more pain points to the consumer experience. Because like, mm -hmm. in, in those, those initial conversations, um, so actually what, what happened was is that through a, through a lucky series of events, right? I got connected with a programmer out, um, a, a software engineer and technologist out of California by, with this guy by the name of Dave Keen. Dave at uh, at that point was working at a healthcare. It was a it was a CTO of a healthcare startup, right? Um, yeah. and, but in his career, he had been the senior architect to the PlayStation Gaming Network, right? Okay. And of course, he was a huge theater lover, right? And yeah. so and so I took him this problem and I said. I have this experience that 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 I'm doing. I love this idea of audience interaction. I need to make this painless for the audience. And Dave said, "Well, what about an app?" And I said, "I don't." I said, "The problem with an app is that if it's 8:05 and the audience member is late and it's raining and they're angry and something terrible happened at dinner and they get to the theater and the usher says, "You have to download an app in order yeah, to experience." Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, no, yeah, yeah. Because then you have to like download it and log it, and 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 I and I said this back in 2016. And I think I think now, right? What we see is an enormous amount of app resistance that's happening in the in the, in the marketplace, right? There is what you know. There was this promise by Steve Jobs that apps were going to solve everything for us on our phone, and then. And then you have other technology companies that I will remain nameless if any of them are sponsors <laughs> or advertising partners um, that have come in and upended the idea of what that app does to and for mm -hmm. you, right? And so you're now yeah. seeing this movement in people saying, well, I don't want to download any apps, right? So yeah. I said this in 2016, like, I don't want to download apps. I hate apps on my phone, right? Like, I, I have the ones that I need yeah, and yeah, that's yeah. it. Yeah. And then I get that, yeah, yeah. In live <laughs> entertainment, you have to view as a single shot experience, right? Mm -hmm. Like that. And, that, and that's also one of the resistances in, in the app thing is like, why am I going to download an app for something I'm only going to do once, right? You download yes, apps precisely. that are, yeah, right? Precisely, so, yeah, yeah. So, so that was pillar number one. And Dave said, okay, let's make it, let's make it web-based, right? Let's just make this entirely web-based, right? Like, and then it will be easier to work, you know, and then actually, that actually solved 
an enormous amount of problems right out of the gate, right? Mm. Because because suddenly you're not beholden to iOS or Android, right? Mm. Like mm. in terms of their software updates, you don't have to have a team of engineers who are constantly updating things, and you're not asking anything out of the consumer other than log into a website, right? Like yeah. that's it, yes. right? Yeah. Quick and easy. Mm. So, so I that original show I ditched. Um, uh, Suffice it to say that I gave a bunch of notes to the author and, he, and, and the author didn't take any of the notes. And as a producer, when you're in that situation with a creator and they're not taking your notes, it's like, well, then you need to find uh, someone just, uh, who you'll listen to. Yeah. <laughs> right? out, out of curiosity, um, without divulging too much, what were some of the the notes that you that you made? Because when, when you're talking to me about a theatrical production, my understanding uh-huh. is that, you know, they're already very difficult to put together. So well, now, no. if you have to have different segmenting pathways, you know, which are oh, all we'll, reliant yeah, oh, we'll, on the, the, the audience. So, okay, okay. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. We will get to that, right? Because now, <laughs> okay, I'm a, now, on a, now then I go on a two and a half year journey where, I, where all of these uh, problems came right? So, oh, okay, okay. so, I mean, the notes that were actually, honestly, it was, it was a content thing. It was like, you can't have in this day and age a, a man ask and and this audience choose a woman for him this is this is this is this has roots in misogyny right mm-hmm. you know the characters like like at that time the the lead character you know was described as a loser right and i'm like well no one wants a loser as a hero you have to go on a redemption arc that yeah. he never really did right so yeah. the, the other and there's other so, uh, we'll get to some of the other problems well they, they manifest- when, when you mentioned that the the best outcome was uh was basically having sex and the worst outcome was suicide i was a bit like that's a little that's very little bit extreme it sounds like a classic that's a novel like, yeah like. a lot of notes that didn't get taken so far yeah, so, yeah. so i had um i very fortunate in my career is uh, i i produced a show um in new york called puffs and mm. puffs is a parody mm. of the harry potter universe um and and it it was a massively successful show. Still is to this day. It ran three years in New York. It, wrote, it broke every box office record at the theater that I was in. And now it's um, one of the top 10 most licensed shows in the US. Like it is just a juggernaut of a show. Um, you also um, toured Australia with it? The same one? Yeah, yeah we did Australia with it um, as well. It's still, and, and now it's in licensing land. So there are productions of Australia happening there. And there are projects everywhere in the US. There are no productions in the UK because their parody laws <laughs> oh, work differently. Yeah. And I'll get the pants suit off of me. Um, um, but Puffs was really great, and 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 Puffs was an important part of what of what this gamification journey was too, because mm. I started actually working um, with the team on Puffs on this idea. And one of the other pillars, uh, okay, so at this point, like the, the software is named something, but 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 we built a working version of Gameyotics, and so I commissioned this new show from my team at Puffs um, uh, and said, all right, let's start working on this, and and. What they what they created was uh, you know an American style western that um, that was that was super fun um, that was using uh, gameotics for its audience engagement tool. So the way that it worked back then, and this is like back in seventeen, is that the audience would come in, they they log onto a website and they'd enter a code, right? And then from that point forward, I'd established via their phone a two way communication device between the audience and the content, right? And gameotics had in those early days a couple of different outputs, right? So I'll give you some. I'll give you some language about how we describe it. Right? Is that it's sitting on a server, right? So it's sitting on the software sitting on an AWS server, right? I yeah. log in. My IP address on my phone is now communicating with that server back and forth, mm-hmm. right? That server is also able to manage many simultaneous connections all at the same time, right? So yeah. what I do is then I say, 
but it, and it's early again, it started in polling, right? So it's an all right audience. When they come into this theater, because we did this run at the University of Florida for about five performances, and and to start testing these things, I said, all right, what color do you want the lights, right? And so we would send the question to the phone, call it an election. The, it would show up immediately, I mean, immediately on their phone, right? They would choose, they'd push it, and you'd have that anim animation of the button pushing. And then, and then that data would be sent back to the server, and then the server would then send that out um, uh, via a projector, right? So there's a yeah. performance. But so on the screen in front of the whole audience, you have this polling happening, right? That says, what color do you want the lights, red, green, or blue? The, the answer would, would hit, you know, red, and then the board op would change all the lights to red, and the audience would go, oh mm. my God, right? And yeah, so like that was, that. That, was a, <laughs> that was another revelatory moment in the building of what Kimiox is, is because what we saw is real-time interaction between mm. the audience and content, and then their choices reflected immediately on stage. And mm. so in doing so, we established trust, right? That what they were participating in was truthful to the experience that they were having. And in those early days, mm. everyone was always like, you're faking all the votes and none of this is real. And we're like, no, it's real. You just <laughs> chose what color to change the lights. We didn't, we didn't fake that. You all yeah, voted, yeah. right? And because they could see it, because one of the so as we started looking at it, we said, all right, we've got to design this in the live entertainment spectrum. And so we built our election, we built a timer on our elections so that you could say, all right, but the minute we hit send the election to the phone and it pops up on the phone, the audience has eight seconds to vote. And I think in some way we like and we can set that's a variable we can set. Right. Let's say eight seconds to vote. And the reason why we built elections to run only eight to ten seconds is because that was the length of a scenic scene change, traditionally, right? Uh, you go to a musical on Broadway, change, it takes eight to 10 seconds because yeah. for hundreds of years, we have established that when you're looking at a stage, that's how much time you can distract the audience so they don't get bored, right? So we <laughs> okay. just took that concept. Makes sense. And, yeah. So the, also the beauty thing about the architecture that Dave Keen built is that we built it to be fast and work in real time so that there was that's no good. lag yeah. between the voting or the action and what the audience saw reflected on display. So the data that's all going back and forth between these 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 points is 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 infinitesimal, right? Where we are and we are dealing in microseconds here, right? And so when I looked at and we're looking at the we always look at the landscape, that's that's one of the things that no one else really thought of, which is you have to unify that entire audience on one server, keep the data limit extremely low and make it as seamless as possible so that there's no interruption to the entertainment. Because mm, yeah. in the early days as I was pitching this idea, there was this kind of resistance, and there still is to a degree, of technology within the live space because tech never works, right? And so for the last couple of years, whenever I show this, and, and the first thing that people say was like, oh my God, your tech works. And I'm like, yeah, we designed it to work. Okay, but I realized yeah, it was like, I was like, okay, we actually designed it very smartly to work. Yeah, um, you you mentioned that uh, it's built on AWS, right? Is that because yeah. um, you want to potentially expand it on a global scale? Well, so um, uh, without getting without going, uh, yes, I mean obviously, but uh, without getting too technical, it's like if I have, and I've done this before, if I have audiences that are in different parts of the world, right? If I have large audiences that are in different parts of the world simultaneously having an experience together, you're going to need to put an AWS server close to where that audience is, yeah. right? If it's a large amount of people. Yeah. But it's also kind of a scalability question. So like, you know, we we're talking in the early days of like hundreds of people 
you know, one of the reasons, one of the reasons with AWS that, that, that is beneficial is like, if I need to spin up four or five different servers to manage an event of 5,000 people, that's really efficient for us to yeah. be able to do. Right. Yeah. Look, I mean, and that is, and that is possible. I yeah. asked because, uh, so I've obviously done a lot of like reading about what your company does and the, the different, um, you know, stage productions that have, are using your technology. And as somebody who loves tech, I mean, and, you know, we've spoken about gamification before in this podcast, we always speak about these things. Um, I would love for this to come here. And that's why when you were like, oh, it's AWS, I was like, oh, that's, that's exactly. brilliant. Because it means that, you know, it, if you needed to deploy it in different nodes around the world, like South Africa, <laughs> there's a, the, the, yeah. the possibility exists that it could happen, you know? Yeah, because like right now our server sitting somewhere in California, we think, you know, right? <laughs> but yeah, it's like, like when you when you start moving these experiences around. So like, so let's get back into that, right? Because like, yes, I want to come to South Africa with it, right? Mm-hmm. The um, the so the challenge on that show, that Western show that I was working on, was that because this technology is so new, and we see this a lot of times. Is that is that um, the technology became a gimmick instead of a tool. Right mm-hmm. in the okay. within the telling of the story, and and that that was major problem number one that I couldn't get around. Right, major problem number two is that in the way that that story was constructed, the audience's role was to make choices for the protagonist. Right, all throughout okay. the tell- throughout the telling of the story, and you know this all harkens back to. Honest to God, choose your adventure books, right? Yeah. And early yeah. like Sierra <laughs> gaming, right? Yeah. Like that's oh, that's the I best. mean the basis the of best. all of this is coming from right. It's coming from those two places because that's yeah. what I grew up with. I mean, that's what I mean, like King's yeah, Quest well, and yeah, um, actually we wanted to ask you Quest for what were, all that. Well, there we go. You you basically answered it. But what were the the fundamental games that sort of inspired your choice to to do what you're doing? So you, you've mentioned King's Quest now. The, Is there anything else? It was a it was a, it was a beautiful story. Roberta Williams wrote a yeah. a gorgeous story about a family that was multi generational that all had all these. It, it, it was just like it, it, like it was it was amazing. What ended up being nine of them? Is that right? Like all there, the way there's through. There's a lot. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> so that one from a from telling this story that you that you that you had this puzzle that you have to unlock, right? You know, I played all of them from the beginning, right? Oh, brilliant. To, um, to you know, in those early days, which was the Quest for Glory, but also by Sierra, where you get to choose a class and then your class has different puzzles. So I play as the fighter, I play as the mage, I play as the thief across the four or five games that they did and go back and play them again and again and again, yeah, right? Yeah. And so that, that this concept of replayability in experience was burned into my mind as a child, right? And it's the same thing in the Choose Your Adventure books. I mean, that was pre-video gaming. It's like yeah. reading these Choose Your Adventure books and over and over again just to find the different endings, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's yeah. where this all comes from. All, the, the, that's it. Like, that's where this all stems <laughs> from, right? So, it's cool, though. It's, uh, it. uh, so, um, so what happens when you, as an audience, are making all of the choices for the protagonist it means your protagonist has no character arc, right? And it was a major flaw in the story that we couldn't get around because you couldn't care about the lead character. You just mm. had no stakes by the end of the show whatsoever. Mm. And it was just fascinating to watch, right? And it was like, and like at that point, Puffs had become very successful. I was on to producing a Broadway show called Slava Snow Show. 
And it was just like, this isn't working. I spent a lot of money trying to make this work and it's not. I'm like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to, we're going to put this aside to a sec, right? So then I went in and, and at the end of 19, I, I don't know if you know Slavis. I don't know if it's ever down there. Slavis is a, a gorgeous production that's been touring the world for about 30 years. Um, wow. Slava Polunin is a, a master clown in his own right, but it's a bit, it's a big experiential show, right? The okay. end of the show, the entire audience is enveloped in a 3 million piece paper snowstorm, right? Wow. That's blown out. All- that's amazing. Oh, it's a beautiful. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I did it on Broadway for eight weeks and it, it was amazing. Um, and then went through some uh, professional issues, breakups with my former business partner um, uh, during during the course of that time. A lot of stuff kind of happened, but the end result is I'm sitting there, you know, at a at a bar with my lawyer, and we're going through this terrible divorce, and you know, it's awful. And and she's just like, you know, you don't have to work in live entertainment anymore. I can get you a job at Netflix or Lions. You know, it's like I can, you know, I can find you. There's a there's a pathway out of this for you. And I was just like, you know. I never got gameotics right. I was like, mm. I never, I never got this thing right. I never actually figured out. I know that the potential is there. I, I want to, I want to give it one last shot. So mm. in January 20, um, you know, n- new company, I had consolidated control of all the old companies, fig- like figured out all the legal problems. And, uh, and then I was in control of gameotics in front of the software. Like my former partners on that all went away. Dave King still, you know, you know, it, you know, a founding member of the company, but everybody else who was involved in those early days is all gone. I said, all right, let's start over, right? So I started over. I, I commissioned a new show. I started booking a, I got a venue at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. I was raising money. I was like, I was like, all right, we're going to do this. And then the pandemic hit and everything fell apart in two weeks. I mean, just like everything. Show and show went gone with yeah. my money. Yeah. Edinburgh yeah. went gone, right? And so, and so I'm sitting there, was in this room where we are right now, staring at that wall behind me. And I'm like, well, now what the do I do with my life? Like now what? <laughs> there is no live entertainment. So I probably we've looked back and it turns out I didn't really stare at the wall for very long. I marched downstairs. I said to my husband, I was like, get on your computer. We're going to start writing shows and we're going to start using gameotics. Cause my idea yeah. is, yeah. is yeah. that all, there is no live entertainment out there. All we got is zoom. Let's since the software works for anyone in the world, let's just start doing it. And so that's what we started doing doing in March of, of 2020, almost immediately, right? Okay. So there are two important things is that I produced 20 hour-long shows, almost almost all of them were an hour-long shows in 18 months on Zoom as a platform, wow. right? Wow, wow. There, yeah, I, I built a team. <laughs> I had a writer's room. I had designers. I mean, it was insane what we did. And basically, what it was was for during the during the shutdown, during the live entertainment shutdown, I was trying to figure out how to use case gameotics across every idea I could think of. And I literally mm. would sit in bed and say, "All right, over the next three weeks, I want to do a murder mystery. Let's figure out how we do a murder mystery." And I go back to my and I'm right, and like it grew over time. But I go back to the writers and be like, "This is the story we're doing this month. This is what we're doing with this." This is how I wanted to run. Is what we're doing, and then we and then we started building these things, right? Yeah. And the pan what the pandemic for me has actually taught me what gameotics was at that point, mm. right? Like, mm. and then I realized that what I had was a two way communication device between audience and content that was a platform that could serve to help build interactive experiences within live entertainment, right? Mm. And so that's what I did for 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 about eighteen months, and that's where that's truly where. Gameotics was formed because then we started adding to the software package. We started building more tools because we'd have these writers meetings 
And the writers would say, well, I needed to do this, this, and this. And I'd go back to the engineers and I'd say, well, we needed to do this, this, and this. They're like, okay. And then they build it, right? And that just kept happening yeah. over and over again. And so yeah. the software then really moved out of prototype into MVP, into minimum viable product at that point, right? Um, yeah. About a year ago, I, the, the name of that production company was called Seize the Show. And I will tell you this. I hated producing on Zoom. It was so oh, awful. Live, like, imagine. It was so like, we built an audience of people around the world. I had audiences in Australia, to the UK, all coming in at the same time. Because what it was is like, it was a real time show. You know, you do this. The, my favorite thing about the murder mysteries is that we, we, we would do a narrative map and then we do a gaming map and we build in all these choices. And there would be a set of choices at the beginning of the show that determined which the murderer was going to be that show, right? Mm -hmm. So any of the actresses could then be the murderer, and they never knew it was going to be, because it all depended <laughs> on this weird random choice, right, that that the audience would choose. And then you are going down a track, right, from that yeah. point forward, right? And so the shows were built in Google Docs that linked, right? So that depending on the, oh, it was it was, it was, it was, a, it was a special kind of hell, right? Because yeah, everybody is yeah, yeah. Google Docs, clicking on the links of the thing the audience is voting on and hoping that you're going to the right place in the script. Mm. Right. Like I, I, I literally like, I've never, we've never, I've never produced anything so insane, but everybody was like, this is so fun. Right. Yeah. And the audience was like, this is yeah. so fun. Right. So what came out of that was, um, was kind of the beginning pillars of what Gameotics is as a software company. Right. And, and out of those experiences that we built, what we realized is that, Kind of the main thing with gameotics is that what it can do is provi provide um, authenticity of experience through agency. That mm. if you as a consumer get to choose the the thing that happens next, it becomes a more truthful experience. It becomes a more valuable experience to you as a consumer, right? Um, um, yeah, that, that's and then actually, of course, um, it's super relevant because if you look at a lot of um, let's take just video games in general, especially. Uh, <laughs> games that focus on single-player narratives, they have generally, the, the more engrossing ones that have, uh, you know, where, where people just can't get enough of them, they have these, these choices along the way Little that elements, really yeah. immerse the player in the experience and therefore it becomes yep. somewhat unforgettable. Um, and it sounds like by doing that in using gameotics in a production, you're actually giving the audience that gaming experience you know, that, 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 that it's following that that's arc and narrative right. and yeah. Well, it's taking a lot of what makes video games so, so enthralling to the single user, right? And saying, let's do that same enthralling thing, but for a whole audience of people, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. It's, it's at the exact same idea. I mean, I think that, I mean, I think the greatest example, of course, of where this all went wrong was Mass Effect, right? Because <laughs> it didn't matter. Your choices didn't matter at the end of this three game triple oh, like, so it, true. Oh yeah, so I true. know, right? And of course, like that, that came out what, like right before the pandemic, or right, right? Yeah. Just, oh, the, the the remastered editions, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah right. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. No, that was last year. Uh, it was actually funny when you mentioned the the choose the the color of the the lights yeah. earlier. I immediately thought of the ending of Mass Effect Three. Let's just choose your own color, and that's it. That's it, right? <laughs> and it, and it, but it has no it has no effect on the story, right? So exactly. there is a there is a show in New York, a really super popular show. It's been running for about ten years called Sleep No More. Have you ever heard of Sleep No More? 
No. Um, Sleep No More, it, it takes place in, it's in, it's in Manhattan. It's in this like five story building, right? And it's by the uh, punch trunk. The guys out of London punch truck was a very famous, uh, immersive theater company. Right. Yeah. And they created this experience that you as a consumer go in, everyone's wearing a mask. Right. And it's basically a nonverbal retelling of Macbeth, right? Because there's no lines oh, wow. in the show. Okay. Right? Wow. Okay. But it's but it's a six hour long experience, right? Total. And they and it's two, three hours, it's two, three hour show, right? So it's like it starts, runs for three hours, and then restarts and runs for three hours, right? Like that's that's okay. their that's their day, right? So as an audience member, you are randomly inserted. So you could go in at hour one, hour two, hour five, you know, somewhere in between, right? And so you come into this experience that's already happening around you. And then, oh, that's cool. this, yeah, it's really cool, right? That's you have this five story. It's very different. You mm. as an audience member get to choose where you go in that building, which actor the fall, because the actors are all running and moving and things. And like you are chasing people through this thing. It's just, it's, it really is truly an extraordinary thing, right? Um, mm. um, but no choice that you make as an audience member affects Influences the content. The it's yeah. always the same. There's nothing that you do. <laughs> Right. So, so is and that so, more of like a like a LARP live action role playing thing? Because it's, it it's, it's kind of a little bit. I think they'd be yeah. pretty pissed if anyone ever described them. That's what it sounds like. Like it's this thing that happens, and you just sort of slot in, and you kind of come and yeah. go. You know. Uh, yeah. Whereas, and that's it. That's you, you know what, that's what you're speaking about is actually having a what, what feels like a tangible, a yeah, yeah, like yeah. Ta ta tangible effect on what's going on. You know. But well, but that that's the so like like I think that I, I would I always want to look at sleep generation as the sleep sleep noir as the first generation of this idea of audience agency in their experience that they get to make these choices right what I'm doing what Gameonics is doing uh, at least, certainly on the uh, certainly in live entertainment space is saying but what if your choices then change the story yes right like what if you're actually participating in the direction the story is going and that and so and that's what we did at seize the show for eighteen months. Was that their choices then determined, you know, which pathway they went down to, to which ending they got. And it's always just like, there's got to be five different endings, right? Mm. Right? And they can't be like Sleep with a Girl first over the bridge. Like, can't be like yeah, that, right? yeah, yeah. But, but we did this beautiful show called Saving Wonderland that was about what happened if Alice revisited Wonderland, but her previous pass through it in the Lewis Carroll book, she broke Wonderland. And so she comes back into a broken Wonderland. That's and the cool. and the goal right. for the and this was like a big breakthrough for us because the goal for the audience that we created is we built in this game mechanic that if they solve puzzles and they answer questions correctly as an audience they get rewarded with a gear and depending on how many gears they had as an audience by the time they hit the end of the show determined how they saved Wonderland whether they they always saved right, Wonderland right. in some ways different form right but like what yeah. oh, and, and that's that's very cool it was, because and it was yeah. beautiful right and, and so what you I, I love that because. It initially starts off as you yourself, you're there and you're, you're now participating and you feel it's just you, but then you brought in a community element to it as well. Yeah. Right. It's, I, I dig that. I think that's, that's, well, that, see, so that, see, that's something that games don't have. You know that, right? And, and right. so, 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 so a lot of uh, single player narrative games are exactly that. They're single player narratives. It's you. You play the story and you actually don't share it with anyone. Sure, some games yeah. have, uh, you know, statistics along the way saying, oh, you know, you pick this choice, but like 88% of other people, you know, pick this choice. But it's not interactive enough 
in, in, in like what, what you're actually doing. So like you're having that, that live interaction of people being able to immediately influence the outcome in this experience. And I love that. And I love the fact that there's also community element. So this way, mm. people are incentivized to actually, you know, solve the puzzles, Choose the get the option. gears. Yeah. And then, and then they have yeah, stakes. Yeah. They have a voice, right? Yeah. And so and so the community thing, that, that was another great revelation. It's like, so we're doing this over Zoom, right? So the chat on Zoom was like lit all the time. I mean, you'd have people saying, no, choose this, no, do this, do this. And then they'd start commenting on the actors. like, And you had all these people who were like talking like virtually during the course of the show about the show as it's happening, right? And it was just like, and of course we got fans and people start getting invested in our actors. It was always so funny when you'd have people be like, well, I saw this actor do this show that back then. And like, and it just became this, 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 uh, you know, this, this lovely community of people who just loved having this interactive experience, right? So, so um, the, the show actually took place over Zoom? It was live. It was live. I had actors all over the country, right? We were all scattered all over the place. Because again, it was a pandemic. Like half the people had moved home. Some people were still in New York. I'm, you know, I'm just outside of New York. My husband was the MC for it. So I'm in the attic. He's downstairs. So there was a sound <laughs> barrier, right? Like it was yeah, crazy, right? Yeah. And so we would like do time showtime. We sold tickets. We charged people to come in, right? And they buy a ticket and they come in and then it was done through the webinar. So the only thing everybody would see were the actors, right? That's brilliant. They, that's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's brilliant. But actors, right, who are trained stage actors who are all amazing people. It's like, well, here's a new skill set. You have to learn how to turn in and turn off your camera when you're not on stage. <laughs> yeah, so when, yeah. when you exit, yeah, you exit, yeah. right? <laughs> like, like you turn your camera. I mean, like, it's so just like, we went through a lot of that. I mean, like Zoom is a, is a great teleconferencing platform. It's not a broadcast platform, right? I mean, like yeah, we really yeah, yeah, ran yeah. into the limit of what Zoom could do by the end of that time period, right? So one of the things mm -hmm. that we did is that we filmed all of Saving Wonderland, right? And turned it into a movie, if you will, right? So that we could not have to do it live anymore, except with an operator who's running Gameonics and playing the correct video patterns, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, so yeah. we did that. And about that point, I shut down Seize the Show. It was a year ago. Things were opening back up. I was just tired of this. And also, so the neat thing that happened on Gameonics is that we developed the ability to send rich media. Because we built this escape room, <laughs> right? Online escape room yeah, yeah, yeah. called Rubik's Control. And so, and this was inspired by this thing that these guys in London had did. And so we started building our thing, right? And so we'd be sending stuff to the phone, to the right? And the audience would have to be solving puzzles. And it, I would say 80% worked, right? And I'm mm. saying everything mm. like worked, but it's like, as an experience, it's like, it got to 80% because it was kind of a weird yeah. thing, right? Mm. But one of the things that we developed was the ability to send a hyperlink to a phone and have the audience and have the audience click on it. Because we wanted them to send them to a website to get information, to come back into the chat and solve the puzzle and all that stuff, right? Well, what, what happened then was that was that we then started, we had been doing post-event marketing surveys um, mm -hmm. and emailing after the show saying, hey, thanks for coming. And get like a 5% response, right? You know, how'd we do? At, at the end of Rubik's, we said, hey, thanks for coming. We're sending a survey link to your phone right now. Fill it out before we go. And my response went rate went to 80% immediately, right? Okay. And that's when I was like, oh, I have something else entirely. Right. Like I have something else entirely than what I thought I did before, because that going from a 5% to an 80% response rate on a mm. survey link, a very Massive. deeply powerful thing in yes, the world. Yes, 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 yes. So that was just like, I'm going to stop and I'm going to focus on the software company entirely and really figure out what this software company can be. Right. Mm. So I want to talk about 20 side tavern in one second, but I was sort of kind of finish the loop on like where Gameotics is going. Because 20 side tavern is super, super exciting. Right. 
Um, yeah. yeah, we were quite um, keen to speak about that as well. So what Game Manage can do, right, is that it can deliver it can deliver an experience to the phone. And and what I, I I'm seed funded now, which is great, right? Like as a startup, I went through the aim the hell of an angel round and got and and have an investor um who we're we are we're we come to terms, we're in agreement, I'm getting funded, but like it's just like it's all like I'm like probably 30 days away from it being signed, sealed, delivered, right? But I'm, but I'm, it's someone that I know very well, and like, okay. I'm, you know, it's, it's all, it's all going, it's all going very well, right? Because the the thing that I actually want to build is the idea, and this ties into the gamification of, of, and I am in the process of building this right now. Of like, instead of going to a museum and running an audio guided tour and having a linear experience, right? What if it was on your phone? There's, no, you know, there's nothing for you to rent, right? Mm. You can listen. Or you can inter- you know get interactors. I can send you audio files are going, and instead you're in engaged in a two-way conversation with the museum, a, a two-way conversation with the with the with the museum, and the choices you're making determine the experience that you're having. So you go to the Met, and instead of and 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 you go on an adventure, right? Yeah. And that adventure mm-hmm. takes you to places that you've never discovered before. You see, right? now, now that is that I love. So I, I know yeah, we've spoken a lot right, about right. what you know gameotics is and where it's going and you know where you started, but I absolutely love how you've just mentioned a legitimate practical application in the real world to change an already available experience to make it more enriched. And I love that. I absolutely yeah, love so that. Just, yeah. Enhance it. I well, mean, I, I can really imagine going like on a Jurassic Park tour, you know, like go, go to a thing and then all of a sudden you have this like... <laughs> but it, and it's a practical two-way communication device for an, an arena and a, a place, an amusement park or something, right? And it, it does the game. It's like I do have a leaderboard built into it. I can do game shows. I can do quiz shows. I can do all these things, right? Where we can mm-hmm. gamify. And, and again, it really comes down to what I want to do is I want to gamify the experience, right? Yes. But I also want to tell stories I want to tell branching narrative stories, right? Mm. And so kind of going back to the, the where what, what I did over, over the pandemic was I took this software that had been gimmicized, right? I learned how to use it properly, right? Thoroughly how to use it properly, right? And I developed it into a tool. And the thing that I tell people right now is that your phone is not a phone anymore. That's stop. We should stop calling it a phone. Like I know it's the iPhone or the whatever. Stop calling phone. What it is is that is that it's a tool that unlocks your lives around you. Use it yeah, as such. Yeah, right? pretty much. So like I always say it's like I can control the temperature in my house from anywhere in the world yeah. because that's what this device can do. And so what I'm doing is I'm saying I'm taking this tool that we already have in our pockets and I'm using it to unlock experiences for people in the world. And the, the software is just a platform to build gamification of experience on. And that's yes, what the yeah. company is after authenticity and agency, but the gamification of experience. And that's what's super, right. super important to me. And I you think know, there's a wide open world for that right now. Yes. So what, yeah. what, what is most interesting about everything that you've, you've actually spoken about thus far and how your version of you know, incorporating gamification elements into entertainment media to make it more interactive and how, how it works. So one of the, the few things that immediately comes to mind is kind of what Netflix has been trying to do, you know, with the choose your own adventure story. But, yep. you know, w- when I think about your tech and what you're doing at the moment, I, I know that, that, that technically uh, it's geared towards live experiences, right? So as it's happening, yeah. you want to have that immediate back and forth. But I assume you could also have it for uh, traditional media, right? 
where like where like Netflix has all of the possible outcomes linked to a server, but then you as a watcher, you know, you you could then like solve puzzles. Like, like in other words, you know, have like like a, a one-on-one with just you as you're watching. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yep. Mm. And I'm sorry. I don't know if you guys can hear it. Um, my dog is. Oh, it's working right. in the background. Don't worry. Okay. That's okay. Good. It's, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's not that bad. Uh, okay. <laughs> Normally, it's, Edward's dogs are there that are doing it, so don't worry about yeah, it. Yes. So, <laughs> um, so, I mean, the thing with Netflix is that I don't. I think they're just starting to figure out how to get through the gimmick phase, right? I'm way ahead, mm. right? See, like, see, like, this is the thing. I, I kind of so, because I can already see the potential of uh, what your tech can do, and I'm already like, damn, I want this. Can't Netflix just like scoop you up and just like just imme- immediately That's implement exactly it so that I can have this awesome two-way experience with my family while we're watching whatever it is and then getting an Anything, outcome yeah. that's not just a simple uh, A or B, you know? So no. it's coming, right? I mean, that's the thing. Like it's all, it's all coming, right? And I'm a live, inter- I'm a, I, my, 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 my basis is in live entertainment, right? Like that's, that's where, that's where I'm coming from. So so I'm starting in the live entertainment space, but with the ambition that we're able to move this on. So let's talk about 20 yeah. Side Tavern for a second, right? Okay. So 20, <laughs> um, 20 was started, well, it started at a couple of different places, right? Is that um, my partner, so, so 20 Side Tavern is actually a separate company from Gaming Audits, right? It's, okay. an, it's an entirely, it's a different company, right? Um, my partners in, uh, we call it Session Zero LLC, but uh, in 20 Side Tavern are a, a, a story master and a game master, right? Um, um, all of whom have worked or worked for Gameotics. So it's just it's this weird conflict, right? Gameotics is a partner in this company, right? So what I realized is that is that I've built a Nintendo. I, I need to build a Super Mario Brothers to go along with it for people to understand this. It's like, hey, here's Pretty the... Much. Like yeah. you saw, we've yeah. seen this happen in VR, right? Which is every, everybody rushed into building the hardware and, for, and didn't build the content. And now they're yeah. stuck in this place right now being like, we have a marketplace full of hardware, but not enough content. And oh, we forgot about the consumer along the way. Like it, it, VR drives me nuts in terms of how they yeah. how they do it, right? <laughs> yeah. So, so I'm actually just following a better playbook, which is like, all right, I built this. I'm working on it. We're we're working through the software. It's a it's a hard adoption of the software because no one gets it. Like you guys get it, but like no one. Mm-hmm. It's harder in the wider world. So, I'm just building a commercially successful product that is powered by Gameotics, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And and so what Twenty Side Tavern has started. Um, well, my friend David, uh, David Andrew Laws, was thinking about how do I build a Dr- Dungeons and Dragons style live stage experience, right? And this was pre-pandemic. And then we, during Seize the Show, we we said, why don't we build one uh, on, online, right, on our Zoom shows and see what happens? The audience loved it, right? It was just like, we got like a totally different audience than we normally did. And we're like, all right, this is interesting. So when I sat down Seize the Show, I said, let's keep working on this one thing, right? Um, so we took Saving Wonderland as a film to the Philly Fringe Festival and put it up and it was ter- it was a disaster, right? Like everyone was like, I don't get this, I don't like this, right? It was so successful online. And what, we realized, what we realized is that, when yeah. we, is that we built it for the Zoom medium, that that yeah. thing would have to be entirely okay. rebuilt for a film. It was like, oh, this just doesn't work, right? Um, mm. But in the, in the meantime, um, we said, okay, we have this theater for a week. Why don't we just do a couple of shows of this D&D style thing, right? And then go to 20 Side Tavern. And Honest to God, people showed up out of nowhere in their gaming groups, and it was us, a box of props, and a couple of folding tables, right? And the concept was just like you had a game master reading a branching narrative story, you had a tavern keeper who's running gameotics, and three players on stage, a fighter mage and a rogue, 
and we put this rudimentary thing up on stage and people lost their minds for it out of mm. immediately, right? I and I that. realized, like, right at that moment that this fandom, right, this nerddom, this gaming fandom, these, the, 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 who, who I consider myself, even though I'm a theater guy as well, right, there is no live entertainment that's being served to this these people. They have movies, exactly. they have comic books, exactly. podcasts, they have television shows. They have nothing in the live entertainment space that actually speaks to them. And the way, and when I say actually speaks to them, it's saying, hey, gamers, I'm going to deliver you a show that you can game, right? Yeah. That you're using Gameionics to have stakes, to have agency, to have influence, to play, to interact. And so, and and so, and, and it just like out of the game, right? So what 27 Tower is actually just a stack of IP, right? That's what the company is. It's like you have Gameionics as a, as a, as a, as, a, as a software engine, think of like Intel inside, right? That's what it's meant to be. It's like it's powering the audience interaction, right? But then you have a, a branching narrative story map. Then you have a game map about all the 37 different variables and counting that interact with the story, right? And then a projection map on top of that, which we'll talk in a second, that are all working to together to deliver an experience, right? So you're not, it's not a play. It's not theater either, right? It is like- No, it's a whole new experience, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. it's new. We did, um, so, so we did four showings of it in New York last fall. Um, and then um, and then we did, a because a, a, we're trying to do everything in between COVID. That's how everyone's just plotting these days. Like, when's the next wave, right? And then we did a, we did a week in, um, we did a week in, and this is the basement of a theater, like tiny 150 seat space. We did a week um, in February. And all I did for that week in February, right? was spend $2,000 on Facebook advertising to people who like D&D or affiliated things. And I sold out, like without even blinking. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I was like, well, that's telling me something pretty interesting. So so what 20 Sider Tavern is, is that it is, do you guys know Immersive Van Gogh? Do you know this thing? Has this come through you, through yet? Right, Immersive Van Gogh uh, is basically, okay. yeah, it's basically a giant projected immersive Van Gogh, where you walk through, like it's all yeah. Van Gogh but projected, a right? Big experience. It's a big experience, right? And I said, what if we do that but make it an interactive game? And so what we built, what what Twenty Sider Tavern is, is building itself to be, is like this big projected experience for the audience, right? And the projections have to follow wherever the story happens to be going, right? But it's interactive. So the first thing that happens in Twenty Sider Tavern is the audience. Oh, oh, and this is a very unique feature to gameotics is that we have the system inside of gameotics called the cohort feature and what the cohort feature does is that it allows me if there if i have an a and a b choice everyone who chooses a i can then send an election just to those people and everybody who chooses b i can just send an election just to those people so that you can rebalance power and stakes that's depending on your choice right and then if there's a cd choice and an ef choice i can combine c and f and like whatever combination you can possibly think of right <laughs> so that you know you could, and this isn't what 27 Tavern is, but you could literally build an experience of where you're making choices. And by the end, only these people get to choose this. These people get to choose that. That one person chooses that, right? And they're, they're doing that. And I, and I built that. And this must have been a very dark time in my life, but I really wanted to do the <laughs> Hunger Games experience, right? Oh, that sounds so good. That sounds really good. I know, but it's so dark, right? Like the audience could to a discord, right? And then they have to fight it. I was like, oh God, what was I thinking? But that's why the cohort system got built, right? So yeah. in our show, you come in, you're handed a die, a color, six-sided die, red, green, or blue, right? And we'll go back to primary colors every time, right? And that the very first thing the audience chooses is saying, what color die were you handed? Because we randomized it. Right. And that's how the audience is then sorted into fighter major road. Right. Uh, so when we have moments in the show oh, where the, cool. we're in a battle sequence, right. 
and the and the um and the the fighter will say all right you know what do you guys want me to do fighters do i do this spell do i do the, do i take this action or this action the audience votes right they choose right and only the fighters get to choose that so it's really cool that you're able to yeah, do that right cool. but then that's we also cool. like they're rolling die we have dice cams you're seeing how the things are playing on real life and that the projections are falling where we're going so and then we built it as a dynamic story experience so that in a show if you go to the apothecary it sets the treasure on fire and there's a consequence that happens to that right but if in a different night if you go to the treasury and and a demon released as an apothecary you get a different outcome than than before right so it's a change yeah. so while it is a large branching narrative scripted world right there's a lot of improv um uh, that exists in terms of the actors having to play with it but the story is it, changes every single That's show replayability yeah. right Ooh. so in other words That's you know, the replayability part. yeah, yeah. You, you could right. go right. back because, because generally so we speaking did this... for for normal live entertainment it's a once and once and done that's it but yeah. but you're actually offering one and, one and done is a know, phenomenon right a lot a lot of people have this problem of saying one and done and i'm like i've solved that yeah right pretty much exactly. yeah yeah um so 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 that one so what did i have so we did this show in pittsburgh right i've got a really good relationship with this theater company in pittsburgh and I was talking to them in the fall and I'm like, hey, I'm doing this thing. They're like, how soon can you come in? And I'm like, when do you want me? They're like, April. I'm like, sure. And so we literally put a show together in like three months, right? Mm. Like, I mean, it was, again, like, I was like, well, we're used to working like crazy people. So why not, right? Um, so we built the show in Pittsburgh. And it was our first, it wasn't, it's not the full version of the show. It was our first time putting a lot of these elements together and testing them out. But the thing that happened was that we started people um emailing us and saying hey can we dress up to come see your show and we're like all right sure and so we actually went to the website you can see it on our website being like hey the dress code is adventure or casual come as you are right <laughs> right yeah and what people start coming in robes and ears and 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 you know the various items right and then over three weeks it just kind of started snowballing right so like you'd have people in their full rent bear outfits like full costume right you had you had um um this family came and uh they were the traveling party of the Lord of the Rings. So you had Gandalf as the dad and the tiny little children as hobbits and everybody in between. It was insane, right? The whole family, right? You had um, people in Star Trek uniforms who were there, right? You had people, I, I had this guy come in full chain mail that, and brought his sword. We we're like, okay, well, that's that's a step before, but okay. And then, <laughs> and then like, someone dressed as like a Norse Viking, right? Um, to the point that, oh, this family came and they weren't wearing costumes. They all showed up and they were just playing Magic the Gathering before the show started. I was like, that's a... Competing, this couple shows up and they're wearing these gorgeous outfits. And I say, well, God, what are you guys wearing? They're like, well, we had a Lord of the Rings themed wedding. I was glad really he was Elrond. These are the clothes we were married in. I don't wow. know. It's like in 22 years of working in live entertainment, no one has ever shown up in their wedding clothes to one of my shows. This has never happened before, right? <laughs> this was a yeah. thing. Like when I was raising money in January for this, right? I'd have investors being like, well, the d, &D audience is not big enough. And I'm like, you clearly don't know what you're talking about, mm. but fine, right? Yep. But what happened is that our audience looks like it's the floor of Comic-Con. And, and that's the thing. It's like it reinforces that idea that this audience is hungry for live entertainment. They, 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 we don't actually, just go to movies. That's what I was going right? to ask is, um, yeah. are you going to consider actually maybe having a production at Comic-Con for 2022 or in the future? A hundred percent. I mean, like, I mean, within the strategic plan for Twin Star Tavern is like, is to be able to, you know, go and put on, like, we have to build an efficient enough show to be able to do it, but go and put on and be the evening's entertainment, right? 
Mm. And we will figure that out. So the next thing that we're doing is that we actually have to build the tent pole production. We have to build the thing. Um, um, So we're working on that for the fall. But we're going to be at Edinburgh Fringe Festival this August with a a, a smaller, a a 70 minute version of the show. Um, uh, Just to start getting it out there and testing it out and like doing Edinburgh. And, you know, Edinburgh, I don't know if you guys have ever been, but it's just like it's kind of an international gateway within live and live and experiential entertainment. And so we're so I, I got everybody, all the major presenters chased us. Because I pitched them the show and they're like, here, please come. But I have yeah, a so, wonderful working relationship. So what I'm with- going to do is I'm <laughs> going to send you the contacts for Comic-Con South Africa and you can just do whatever you want with them. And perhaps yeah, we, we, we'll be we gotta, so lucky to have you over. <laughs> we got to figure out, because we got to figure out, like, we're still figuring out what, what I mean, we, got, we have a better sense of what the show is, right? But we built the show purposely mm. to be flexible, to do a lot of different types of things. So... Mm. Like we've only, I mean, on truth be told, we've only been working on it for a year, right? So yeah. we're still figuring a few things out. But Maybe it's, but the, I mean, our audience is already giving us fan art. We started a Discord. People are joining that. Like they're like, and so back to the point you're making earlier, and this is the thing that that gameiotics power, right? Gameiotics doesn't gameiotics allows it to be, which is being able to create an experience that builds community, right? Because mm-hmm. of that agency that you have. Right. And that your fellow audience members have. And that's what Gameotics is built to do is be able to allow creators to build a community and agency and things within the whatever it is that they want to do. And there's like within the live entertainment spectrum, there's probably going to be lots of iterations of what the type of a Gameotics shows can be. I love Toy Side Tavern. I'm the head of this company. And I'm going to, like I said, I'm building my Super Mario Brothers right now. I have much larger ambitions for where I want to see the software go around the world. Right. That's like, cool. like, like you know cruise ships and theme parks and museums absolutely and, you know, yeah yeah look yeah in, in, and, in, and in really respects, in this gamification conversation yeah it, it's it's almost so what's interesting about the whole like element of gamification is how originally it started off as a marketing term for you know to be mm-hmm. to be like the really layman version of what gamification is it's just spurring on audience interaction right um, but over time and the way the technology has changed you know we have things like twitch now for example which allows the the layman to become almost like an overnight sensation and celebrity because of this interaction with an audience that, you know, enjoys their content. Now, I know that what you're speaking of is obviously a little bit different to that, but it also feels really similar, but in a in a far more in a grander interactive way. way. Yeah, yeah. Like it can be applied yeah. well, to to so much more. So the Twitch thing is a great example, right? Because I love Twitch. Um, yeah. um, you know, it's lagged. It's not real time. And my software is real time. So there is a difference because like, because I don't work very well with streaming entertainment. Right. And and sure, I don't personally, like, I don't like, I I find that since my software works in real time, I want to have a, I want to have a real time conversation, but that's, you know, my roots in theater, of course, are coming from. Right. But Twitch is doing stuff like this, right. There are elements of that gamification now within, within Twitch in terms of how they're consumers, but which is great because people are like, oh, is this competitive with Twitch? I'm like, oh, Twitch is Twitch. Like, Twitch is doing their own thing. They they, <laughs> they got this. You know, what what I am doing is saying I want to stay and 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 be in the in person arena mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. frankly, no one else is thinking about it. And I'm like, this is a bigger, this is an even bigger audience, right? Yeah. Like, they, it's a huge audience to do it. What I really am after, right, is is rooted in those seas the show days. Is that what I what I really want Gameiotics and Twenty Seven Tavern to be able to do is this new idea of real time broadcast entertainment where if there we are go. in Vegas with Twenty Seven Tavern, 
you have 400 people in a room watching it, right? Then there is a, and they're having their experience that you can have 10,000 people around the world also having an experience, the at-home experience, all happening together in real time. And, and, See, and that reimagines cool. what we think about yeah. broadcasting, yeah. right? That's yeah. what I'm really after, yeah. right? Yeah. In yeah. terms of that saying this goal, essentially. Because wouldn't you want to like, what, like, because again, we saw this during the pandemic. Streaming is just not it, mm. right? Yeah, look, like, streaming is, is one-dimensional. You 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 put it it's, on, you watch it, you're finished. Yeah, like like that, that was my example when I mentioned the whole Netflix thing. Is it's really just one way? You you pick one option, yeah, yeah. and it's only ever one of two options. That's it. Whereas you know what what you're currently doing, and that's something that I really like, is you're taking the video game experience and you're applying that to live audiences and giving them. Uh, the sense of agency that you mentioned in order to have some sort of a impact on what's going on. And that is very rare because in, in today's day and age, a lot of things are just produced for you and you seldom have um, the ability to, in, to, to change what's going on. And I suppose that's where that's one element of, of, of Twitch, which is what a lot of people enjoy is that, you know, you're watching the stream alive and you can, donate whatever money or whatever the case is and then they you know a speaker will go off or they'll be dunked with water or right. whatever the case is um but i like how yours is it's not just uh you know facetious you know yours has more greater meaning to it because you have this actual story where people can be invested in it and then see what yeah. the outcome is going to be for this protagonist that they've now actively been involved in shaping the story yeah, That's the best part of it. Yeah, yeah it, but it, it, and it is truly a two-way conversation. It's a real-time two-way conversation. I mean, like, you know, the founding of Twitch is an amazing story, right? Because it was that guy who strapped a video camera to him and filmed himself, <laughs> and then people on the internet would then pay him to do stuff. I mean, like, it, it, it's a dark story, right? Yeah. But he <laughs> built this technology platform that then became Twitch one day, yeah. right? Which was this two-way conversation. So... I, I believe in I believe in that idea and that two way conversation mm. idea. I'm saying it's a better conversation if it's real time, Absolutely, right? Yeah. Like, right? And let's take it from a story position as opposed to a reaction position. That's what Twitch is. You're just reacting, right? Yeah. I'm yeah, like, yeah, yeah, that's right. Why? And also, you don't charge for Twitch, right? And I'm like, and 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 as an entertainment <laughs> producer, well, in some place, right? Yeah. But as an entertainment <laughs> producer, what I am, what I am. What I'm after is building value into the experience. And I and what I do know after 22 years is like you tell a good story, you can you can charge the consumer for coming for, for your escapism, right? Yeah. Right. The best video game, the best video game of all time in my books, right, is Last of Us, because it was the best story that I ever followed. Like I mm. like like Last of Us was an amazing, amazing storytelling experience. And that's that's what I'm after. So when I when I say to Gameonics and saying, let's go to a museum, it's like, let's go to a museum and tell a story, yeah. right? Mm. Um, as opposed to being fed something. And again, with consumers and modern consumers and the younger generations, I'm, you know, I'm in my early 40s, they don't want to be fed anything. They want to have a say, right? Yeah. That, and that's a big thing that I'm after is like, God knows in America right now, it's like, I want to build things where audiences have a say. Because yeah. I, yeah. I, you know, not to get political, but I just, I feel like there is a need for it, right? In, yeah. Absolutely, so. absolutely. The, the thing is, you want to give everyone, a thousand people in one big theater, 
their own last of us essentially yeah. and that's i think that's oh I mean, look look you know, it sounds yeah, super cool. you bring up a very salient point now because uh have you you've played last of us 2 as well oh my god i spent all last summer okay that's okay. what i did <laughs> So uh, that, that that's fantastic. So Edward and I actually, we dedicated uh, almost an entire episode. I think it was uh, the year before last. And we actually spoke about yeah, the back. emotional impact of what happened between Ellie and Abby and throughout the story. Anyway, the, the, the reason why I, I'm just speaking about that now is because the experience was so profound, just in the way that these characters were written and how while you're playing the game, there are decisions you need to make, which influenced the outcome. And yeah. to be able to have that experience, but shared, but sh no, but shared. Yeah. Like, like I, I, could, I could imagine, yes, yeah. yes. I could imagine doing this with like a group of friends and we go and we, we're all now invested in these characters and we're pushing through. That is, I'm actually getting goose, goose flesh. That's actually well, uh, I'm going to do you one better. I'm going to do you one better, right? <laughs> so one of the things that the cohort system allows for, right? We haven't, we haven't built an experience like this, but I'm definitely gunning for this, right? Is that because the cohort system, you can do multi-track experiences in a single environment, right? And that's a really yeah. cool thing, right? What I'm after at some point is multi-track experiences in multiple environments where you go with a group of friends you each make a choice that sends you someplace else, oh, and then amazing. you have to come back, and you've all had a different experience that you compare for. Because again, going back to Last of Us, right? One of the powerful things for me about Last of Us, especially in Last of Us Two, was was um, I knew that any time I killed a dog, it was going to come <laughs> back and haunted me, and I still yes. had to do it. And then all the other side of it, it was awful. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it's one yeah. of the, but that's a challenge in a linear game design, right? Mm -hmm. Was you, you had to make that choice. You didn't have a choice but to make that choice. Right. And mm -hmm. then, but the brilliance of the storytelling was that it turned you around and said, this was the consequences of that choice that you had to make. What, what part of what we're, we kind of experiment on gameionics is like, you get to make a choice. You don't have to make a choice. Right. If it makes sense, yeah. like, you, know, you have it. to make a that's choice. It. Right. Yeah. But like, I'm not forcing you down a path. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, that that because that's producer led narrative, right? We're really after giving as much agency to the audience in terms of narrative. Now and but that is a really hard thing to design for in live entertainment. You see, because that's, you, that's it. Yeah. Uh, you, yeah. please please it's do talk to us about design that. Thing. Yeah. All the time. Yeah. Right? I mean because yeah. like we want to set up choices. What we do is that we try and make our, our elections or our choices as balanced as possible, right? And then we have two things that are kind of competing, like the audience that night, what mood they're in, what their makeup is. How they're gonna, so we have to try to present these choices so that it feels that it that we reinforce that this is a true choice. Because if you do a choice where eighty percent of the people do one thing and twenty percent do do the other, you haven't actually created a much of a real choice. Like everyone's like, well, this is the direction we're obviously gonna yeah. go in. Like it happens yeah, sometimes, yeah. especially in comedy, where it's like I'm always saying they're gonna go for the joke. They're always gonna go for the thing that think that's gonna be the funniest, right? And then on top of that, especially coming out of the video game world, you know, like we could do a whole other episode on this subject, but I'll just I'll go through it, which is like. They have they have stakes. They have no real stakes, right? Well, fine. Let's set fire to the building. You're not actually setting fire to the theater that day. You're setting yeah. fire to the fictional story, right? So if you're presenting that choice of like, do we set a fire or not? The audience is going to be like, set the fire, right? Because yeah, they want to see the drama, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. You have to be careful in design in live entertainment about that concept. But then mm -hmm. we know, and this is what we're going to spend the next, you know, once we get our our temple production up is what happens when someone's seen the show multiple times 
and the audience of people who've seen the show multiple times grows, you suddenly have a different series of voting going on or, or actions going on within the show. Because if you know how things are going to play out, you you're going to be that. motivated yeah. just to try something, something else. else. Yeah. And this happened in Zoom chats, and we've seen it happen in our audiences already, of people standing in the lobby and being like, when this thing happens, do this, right? <laughs> because out of their own self-interest, they want to see the other pathway. Mm. From a design perspective, we have to design something that it's always going to be, it's always going to feel jumbled up every time that we really don't know what's going to happen if we find ourselves in a pattern where it's like this thing happens the same way every single show then we haven't designed it correctly yeah right yeah yeah it's gotta it's feel random just, every night yeah it's just a linear thing all over again yeah it's um, a linear yeah. thing all over again. so okay so here's the best part about this who's doing this like we're literally inventing this right now as we're going like and then making up as we're going on because no one is out there doing this thing right now but that's really exciting for us because we're yeah. teaching ourselves how to do this correctly while we're mm, building, right? Mm, yeah. And that's for me, you know, 22 years in, in live entertainment, everything I'm doing, like this is the most excited I've ever been in my career. And like I produced on Broadway, right? Like about, about creating something and working with this team and figuring out these really fun gaming problems, but in the mm. live entertainment space, right? It's fun. It's really fun. It's really yeah, rewarding. So, it's, cool. it's very cool. I mean, I actually want... I mean, I, I know we were speaking about like single player games and now we're talking about live experiential experiences, but I kind of almost want more games to even take more of a page from what you're doing. So in other words, what, what yeah, I mean by that is wish. a lot of um, first person or single player narratives are just that. They're kind of like watching a movie. Okay, sure, you might have choices along the way, but you play it, you go through it, you finish it. If you're so inclined, you can play it again. But, you know generally speaking you often won't go back what in a way the gaming world is actually missing at the moment and i suppose this is where your technology could even come in is almost like a um a, an online multiplayer version of an experience that is influenced in real time by audience participation that doesn't exist yet either i'm, so... I'm hearing rumblings about this in in the metaverse, right? Which oh. I know very little about. But like, it's the metaverse. I've a, I've a, yeah, I've, been, I've had a friend who's approached me to say, I want to introduce this this idea that you're doing into the metaverse stuff that I'm working on. And I'm like, sure, get it working first and tell me there's a consumer base and then we'll talk. Like, this is not, yeah. like, I don't, I don't, I don't, it's, it's like NFTs. I don't buy it yet. Like, I'm yeah. just not there. Yeah. You know, I'm just, I'm not, I'm saying, I don't, it's the same thing I keep saying about VR and AR. I'm like, you're putting pain points in front of consumers. You have to build something that makes me want, yeah. like, like you have to have the content that makes me want to buy the device. Right. Yes, so, yes. You know, it, it, it goes back to the console, console gaming, right? Sony, PlayStation, you know, Nintendo, like I have a, I have a switch because I had to play Breath of the Wild. Right. <laughs> like it had to happen. Right. And that's why I bought a switch. So we don't buy the hardware. We buy the content that the hardware supports, yeah. right? See, uh, I think that's that's why 20 Sided Tavern must have, was such a big thing right from the get-go because you tap into the correct market and that's the, the, that's the tabletop, that's the D&D uh, &D RPG market. And that's amazing. Um, and yeah, NFTs, games ar vr they're just not there well, look, well what i do find interesting is how video games technically right now right now share elements of everything that your company is doing but just not in a single package 
So what I mean by that yeah. is um, PlayStation has PlayLink, which allows certain video games to, you know, you sitting with your family in the lounge, everybody can log in on their phone, and you have like, a, it's, a, it's a real-time back-and-forth communication between uh, the server and the PlayStation and the answers that you have. So you can, you can play like a game show, right? An interactive game show. Then on the other hand, we have uh, games like the Dark Pictures Anthology, which um, have a myriad of choices that you can make throughout each playthrough, but then those are singular. So they're only for the one person playing. It's not mm -hmm. a it's not a multi-platform yeah. thing. Sure, you can have people around you participating, but it's not quite the same thing. So what no one's actually done yet, and maybe maybe this is somewhere in the future for Gameotic as well, is to develop either a game or a platform where the actual audience plays live. So they are busy playing yeah. whatever game they're playing and they make an actual influence on what's next for the future level, for example. I don't know how that would work exactly, but that is something I can tell you now already. Well, Other than, look, I already want to watch your show. Yeah, right? I, I mean, really I, that's, the, them, so. that's the promise of the metaverse, right? I mean, like, and the metaverse is, for gameotics is different than the live entertainment. So look, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm a, and again, I'm not anti-metaverse. It's just like, let's stop talking about it until it actually works. Mm. Like, um, yeah. right. Um, you know, there because I think the thing that you're hitting on is that you, you can't replace the inner and we learned this during the pandemic, you can't replace the value in the interaction between people, right? Yeah. yeah. And when you're in a live entertainment experience and you're having that collective reaction over the thing that's happening, it's wonderful. It's why we gather as humans so that we can share a response together to what's happening, right? What I'm introducing is saying, why don't we also share choice? right yeah like into this let's not get fed entertainment let's get fed things anymore let let's build experiences and it's not again it's not to replace anything it's to add to mm. a, a bunch of stuff that we already yes. love yes. right yes. And, and, and introducing technology into the mix as a platform to be able to develop these types of things i mean that is the promise of technology right yeah it's it's essentially making your fellow human or your partner and whoever you're with the experience um yeah. They are part of it, um, and that's amazing. Yeah, I love that idea. I really do love it. It's fun. Look, look. I mean, we're we're on a fast march, and we got Edinburgh. So the, the idea right now is that which well, side Tavern is that is that um, we do Edinburgh. We're doing a week in New York just to test our Edinburgh. Oh, here's the other great thing. <laughs> Again, remember, I am a commercial theater producer, so like, like you know, monetizing is a big part of what I do. Like the fun part about this, right? is that uh, this is the fourth campaign we've written in six months, mm. right? Because that's what you do in the D&D world is that you write new campaigns. Mm. So because everything yep. we build at first is a template, story maps, gaming maps, um, projection map, right? Gameotics is a platform, right? We can reskin everything we do every six months, right? So I put yeah. a show up, so, that, so the idea, the, the goal for that I have right now is that I want to do the show in Vegas, right? Um, as our tentpole production, because Vegas is a, perfect place for this idea, right? Um, before really getting into the touring market. And of course, London as well, right? But but that mm. I can reskin the story. So it's always the 20-sided tavern, but then it's the story or the adventure of, right? And yeah, we yeah. put a new template on every six months, right? So you come back to Vegas, be like, let's go see 20-sided tavern again. We're going to go on a whole new story. And you will, right? Yeah, so that awesome. the product becomes perennial. And like, and again, it's like, not only you get the same event, you, you don't get the same experience twice within a current story, it's like some of the story itself becomes um, uh, within the replayability model, right? You know, yeah, it's to return. It's actually interesting that the, the, like the way that you've, you've you mentioned the entire thing. I'm surprised 
that, um, you know, studios like Warner Brothers or Universal or Disney haven't already just snatched you up. Because I can already too imagine... Too young. Because uh, no, I can already imagine having these, these experiences at all of these theme parks. Go to Universal Studios and, mm-hmm. oh, you have a, a brand new Terminator theater production where you actually take part in it. Or the Warner Brothers Studio in the UK, etc., etc. Yeah, like instead of doing a parody of Harry Potter, you can actually do Harry Potter, you know. And no, thank you. It's, that <laughs> ideas are huge. Good, I'm all, I'm all full up on that's, that's That's passive income for me now, and I want it to stay there. Like, I'm good. I'm good yeah, at that yeah, world. Okay. But you, I, you, spent, you, I spent, look, I, I spent three years, like, fully inside the Potter world, right? And I love <laughs> all of my Potter friends from that. But that was a long time to be in one brand, man. Like, yeah, that was yeah, just, a, that. that was a lot for me. <laughs> <laughs> but also the point Gosh. I'm making is that, you know, they like license your technology and then they create experiences, you know, using your tech. So obviously then it's, you know, royalties and so on and so forth. And then, you know, the experiential entertainment exists, you know, yeah, I don't know. Look, I'm and, all and, for and everybody just adopting your tech now and licensing it and just doing it, stuff because yeah, I want it now. It's just so new, right? It's just yeah. so new. No one else is doing this in the space. It, I, I keep saying it's coming. All I'm after right now is a first to market advantage. On all fronts, yeah, right? that's yeah, all that yeah. all that I'm going to do. Because you're right. At some point, someone's going to be like, "I need to snatch this up. I need this inside." Right? But mm-hmm. that won't happen until I show how profitable the platform be, yeah. can make something. Right? And so that's a big that's part true, of yeah. what Twenty Side Tavern's goal is: is that they serve each other. Right? You know, Twenty Side Tavern, in its own right, like as a Super Mario Brothers, can can be you know a very profitable experience. Right? But for gameotics, it's what are there other verticals, what other experiences that we can build to? And the first thing I have to do is saying, hey, look, it worked over here. You can do it over here. Yeah. And I've spent mm-hmm. a year saying that. And finally, it was just like, and this is just me as a human being. It's like, I'm tired of trying to sell people on this. I'm just going to show you. And so that's, it. that's I exactly got, the so right I got, way of doing it. Yeah. I got my I got my commitment to my funding for gameotics at like in November, right? And I don't know anything about the startup world, but then that starts a journey, right? Which is like, oh, you got the money. No, you don't have the money. You have the promise <laughs> of the money, but you don't have the money, right? Yeah, and, yeah, it's, yeah. and it's taken six months, right, to be able to figure out how to structure the deal because it's it's a complicated deal, right? Six months. And I knew it was going to take some, I didn't think it would take six months, but it's taken six months to structure that deal. So for me, in the meantime, I literally was like, let's go build something else, right? Well, I'm like, because I can't sit and wait for this thing to happen. And then, of course, it was like, oh, it's reinforcing all these things we talked about gamification, but it's reinforcing this idea of gaming. And, and that's when I had that realization, like, I'm tired of going to Warner Brothers and Disney and talking to people saying, hey, I've got a really great idea and being like, well, maybe. And I'm like, okay. I'm like, fine, then, you know, it's going to cost you more when you catch up with me. So, like, yeah, so yeah, you're, yeah. So, so and, let's and, and that, that's great. That's perfect. Yeah. Let them come that's later the when, when you're like, later. when you're already like your IPO is available and you're like valued like five billion, you know, <laughs> we, can, we can only hope, right? I mean, it's, it's like, it's, it's fun. I mean, like, it's, um, it, it, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. It's like, but so the, the, the thing about the seed funding is that, is that the GameDoc software right now, I'll have a I'll have a release of the software in September ish, right? Oh, that is then that then you could say I would like to license your software and use it to build my own experience, right? Mm, and brilliant. there's going to be an adoption yeah. process. Like I was saying earlier, yeah, what I was saying earlier is like it's great it's great that the software can be available for people to use to build their own things. What I've learned in the last year 
is to build the right products. It's like same thing as video gaming takes a lot of skill and expertise to build it right. You know, yeah, so yeah, it's like yeah, it's yeah. one thing to say I'm going out and building my Super Mario Brothers. Building my Super, I'm building Twilight Tavern with a team of people that I trained for two years in how to do this right and say and stay at, with that with that overarching statement. Do not make it a gimmick. Make it a tool. Do not make it a gimmick. Make it a tool. Your gimmick's rising again. And we still every once in a while we'll find something and be like, oh, we give us, that we made that a gimmick, right? Yeah, that's actually and that's, so true. That's a creative process. But again, it's like we have that knowledge. We're happy to share that knowledge for money down the road, but also it's going to take other people time to learn how to do it right as well, right? Yes, and so yeah, like you look yeah. at the video game industry, Nintendo had a 10-year market window, right, where they owned that market and made billions of dollars before Sony and, um, and Microsoft figured out how to do it for themselves. And I guarantee you, if you look back at those early games that Sony and Sony and Microsoft came out with, it was either with teams that came from Nintendo or they failed because yep. the institutional knowledge that you need to build this in the live experience marketplace is is absolutely enormous, right? Yeah. See, but this is where you have me, the edge, as though. an entrepreneur, because that's, you, you have the that's experience the in, yeah, right? that's exactly it, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's just like, you know, no sleep, and we got a new puppy this weekend. So I was like, "Oh Jesus!" Hashtag no sleep team. Yeah. Uh. Well, listen, David. This is um, this has been an incredibly enlightening conversation. Uh, it's been oh, awesome to yeah to to hear about what Gameotics is doing, where it's going to go, and uh, with that in mind. I do hope that you know we can remain in touch so that you can let us know yeah. how things are going to be later on so that perhaps maybe one day we can tune in maybe via a, a Zoom production or maybe if we find ourselves in America we can go to one of these you know one of these experiential events and oh, actually, I'm in South Africa <laughs> yeah yeah or, or, yes yeah. or if you're here that'll be great <laughs> um, on that note uh, I was going to ask um, the, the next show in Edinburgh um, in the place on Stone is that going to be I want to say broadcasted at all, or is it just live only? No, no, it's live only. I, okay. this is a don't bite off more than you can choose situation, right? Like, okay. like, so we, um, like we, we have to be very measured in our goals. Right. Um, and I, we're just not, we're not quite there yet. Um, <laughs> yeah, and I also yeah. don't want to do that live broadcasting until I get into the next version of the software, because there's yeah. a UX design issue. Um, I mean, it works fine. It's, obviously, it's working great right now. But like, when I kind of get into that arena, there's more bells and whistles that I want and need that I just don't have mm. yet. No. Yeah. But soon. That's cool. But soon. Makes sense. Yeah. But soon. Yeah. Uh, but soon. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Well, well. Um, thank you yeah. very much, David, for for taking Thanks for the time having me today. This has been to, great. Uh, it's like it's us. so fun I mean, to talk to fellow nerds who get what I'm like <laughs> after. So like, that's just like. like Trust me, I talk to investors all the time who are like, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, okay, all right. Like, so it's nice to, like, you know, we were talking earlier, it's nice to engage in a conversation where, like, you, like, where I don't have to sit down and explain in detail how everything works. It's yeah. just like, you we, understand we already what we're sold, doing after. Really because nice. we, we already see the potential. We're kind, of, we're kind of like, why is this not everywhere yet? Where can I get a ticket? Why can't I go to this? Like, I, listen, I, the moment I read about 20 Sided Tavern, I was hooked. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a right. D&D guy. So. It's, look, yeah. no, I mean, like, we're, I, I've never worked, I've never, I've never had a show move this fast, right? Yeah. And as I, and, and one of the things, one of the things that I've had several people like, oh, you really need to slow down. And I'm like, why? Like, why? 
Like this no. is the speed of entertainment now. This is how fast we move things. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm not making, you know, no mistakes Crank we're making are crippling us. So yeah, so mm. it's good. Yeah. Well, right. thanks for having me on, guys. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no worries. Thank you yeah. so much. Um, so for those of you who have tuned in and uh, who, who listened to our previous episode and who's, who have listened to this episode, um, if you enjoy what we do, uh, please do like and subscribe. And from myself, Hans, from Edward, and from David, thank you so much for tuning in and we look forward to seeing you all again soon. Ciao for now. Bye.